On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're previewing the KU offensive line position. Doesn't sound sexy, but this might be one of KU's best and deepest positions overall. Are they ready to break through from being a good unit into being one of the more dominant ones in the conference and in the country? We discuss on today's episode. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Derek Johnson, you can hear me as well, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can find us, like, and subscribe to the show on our YouTube page and also with our new website with uh, the whole entire Locked On Network. Thank you to all the everydayers out there tuning into all the episodes. We've had some KU basketball talk recently. We've had some uh, talk about the KU football stadium renovations recently, so you can check that as, those out in past episodes. We're previewing the offensive line today, and you know more so with this offensive line. You know, is this arguably the best position on the offense for KU? Is it the deepest position overall for this team? Before we get into any of that, make every moment more. Right now, with FanDuel, you can bet on a Super Bowl winner and get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started with that. I guess the first thing here is, is how is KU going to set this offensive line? You know, last year, this was a really good unit for KU. Awesome in pass protection, didn't give up a lot of sacks. There were a lot of times where, whether it was Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean, had a ton of time in the pocket to throw downfield and eventually unleashed. Eventually, a receiver came open, or they were able to make a play because of that. Um, in the run game, on, on the option game, KU had a lot of good uh, linemen, I, I think, being athletic and being able to get to the second level and find those blocks that were going to open up further holes. I think the one thing that the offensive line to me felt like you could gain the most growth in this year was on standard run plays. Maybe you're more uh, just typical like halfback dive, halfback stretch, wide zone, those sorts of things. Your, your normal kind of just simple running plays, your bread and butter type running plays. Felt like there were a lot of those last season that ended up being, you know, maybe shorter gains um, that, that ended up leading to a, a decent amount of second and nine, second and 10, second and 11s last year that if you can take that next step up, maybe that'll take your next step up as the offense overall, that it'll allow you to get on the simple plays even more of four or five yard gains. Then you can become a really dominant offense, uh, kind of add on to what you already did last year, which was very impressive. But this is a unit that you have four out of five starters back. You brought in some transfers. You brought in some impressive freshmen. You have guys who were on the roster last year that weren't really key contributors, but gain another year of experience and maybe had experience in previous stops before. This is not just a very talented unit overall in the starting lineup. This is a very talented unit of backups. You'll hear the coaching staff talk about with the running back position that they're looking for a pair and a spare. You know, three running backs, basically. Two guys to, to kind of carry the load and then your backup. Maybe it's more because of some of the past injuries now. With the offensive line, you hear it's more so that you, you want eight solid guys. Obviously, if you have more, even better. And this unit might have more. But they have five starters on the offensive line. 
which you feel good about. And can you have those three backups? One can play, you know, maybe left tackle, left guard. One can play center, right tackle. One can play either guard spot. Or maybe one can play either tackle spot. One can play either guard spot. One can play center, right? Like, it doesn't matter how it is. You just need those three guys to be multi-positional and versatile. They can cover multiple positions that you don't really need a true two deep. You just need three guys that can cover those five positions over the course of all of them. Overall, though, it is a good unit, a unit you feel very good about. Now, it's hard when you rank it among the other positions on the KU football offense because there are a lot of really good positions on the KU football offense. Quarterback, you have Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels. Running back, you have a ton of talent from Devin Neal to Daniel Highshaw, Savion Morrison, Dylan McDuffie, Tory Lachlan. I mean, on and on and on down the line, Johnny Thompson. Receiver, you have all your starting receivers back. You have a bunch of depth back at receiver. You just brought in three freshmen. Uh, the tight end group is super deep and super comfortable at the top with Mason Fairchild, Trevor Cardell, and Jared Casey. Offensive line, you feel comfortable too at the top, but maybe what's different about this one, and maybe I would save tight end here for this, maybe even quarterback, is that the second unit of the offensive line is like good enough to me that you could probably still win a lot of games with it. The second string receivers, you would still feel comfortable but I feel like there is a good drop off. The second string tight end, you probably feel the closest to about. Like, I feel still really good if it's Trevor Cardell or Jared Casey. I guess same with quarterback, but there is still drop off Jalen Daniels to Jason Bean. Um, running back, I guess you could say the same. But I almost view Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal as 1A, 1B, to where then it'd be dropping to your, your second strings after that. This offensive line is is good. It's deep. And, and when you look at the options they have to put this together, when you look at the center position, Mike Nowitzki is the guy. Now, I'll be interested to see who the backup center is on the two deep. That could be a couple different guys. I am under kind of the estimation, though, because this is what happened in spring ball. If Nowitzki were to miss some time or you had to plug somebody else into center, it would be Michael Ford as the backup center. And then you would just move Ford over from one of the guard positions and somebody else would fill in for Ford at the guard position. But I'll be interested to see what they do with the two deep there. Mike Nowitzki, you feel very certain he is going to be, you know, the projected starter at center. Then you look at the offensive tackle positions. Dominic Pooney is someone who played guard for you last year and was excellent at it. I didn't think he got enough postseason recognition for the play that he brought to the table. Uh, it seems like he's kicking out to tackle this year, and he's going to be a projected starter at the left tackle position. Bryce Cable do spent some time at left tackle, spent some time at right. We just heard from him in some player uh, interviews, his media availability, and he actually asked the staff, he said he just felt a lot more comfortable at right tackle than left tackle. So he's, I, I would kind of pencil him in right now to be in the starting right tackle, but I guess it wouldn't be crazy if, if you know, Kobe Baines were the starting right tackle. I think he's playing more right guard right now than right tackle. Logan Brown is the ultimate talent guy that if he can put it together, if everything can click, if he can figure it out and of what the staff is wanting from him, maybe he can impact this in some way. But those are four real options that you can play at the tackle position. I would put Pooney at left tackle, Cable to at right tackle in terms of what my projection is right now for who starts in addition to Nabisky at center. Then you have the guard position. If Baines isn't starting at one of the tackle positions, that means Baines is now in the competition at a guard spot along with Spencer Lavelle, Michael Ford, and Armaj Reed Adams. Uh, we had a KU football media availability. It was KU football media day. I don't know if you read into this too much, but they did send out Armaj Reed Adams Spencer Lavelle was also there. So was Kobe Baines. I don't think, uh, I don't know. There were a couple offensive linemen that weren't there. I can't remember if Michael Ford was there or not. Um, but nonetheless, with Armage Reed Adams, like it, him being there, this is the part I'm talking about you want to read into, kind of goes back in line with the coaching staff really talking him up lately 
And I think it was Lance Leipold who said that he has really emerged and playing like at a starter level right now. Obviously, nothing is still guaranteed, and they're going to still push the competition for the next week of, of camp until things wrap up, and then they get into kind of the game planning week and, and your first week of really ramping uh, kind of a different style of practice up. But Armage Reed Adams has impressed so much, and I, I got to talk to him earlier today, and you know he was talking about how He's playing at a comfortable like 325 now, how at times he's fluctuated. I think it was Scott Fuchs, the offensive line coach, said he was like 400 pounds at one point when he came in. At one point, he got down to like 290-something. Now he's up to like 325, and he said, this is the best I've been from a like muscle max mass index in addition to being 325, but he said he also feels good moving as a part of this body weight. So he's physically as good as he's ever been he's putting the consistency together which that's what the staff really values the consistency can you not just do it but can you consistently do it and that's how you'll see a lot of these starting decisions across the board is are you not just the best at it like if you have the option between the guy who's the best at it but it doesn't it just comes in flashes versus the guy who's you know maybe good at it but not quite as good as that on his high note but he's going to do that good more consistently that's the guy that they're going to go with so right now at the guard position i'm projecting our Reed adams would be the starter at one of the guard spots and then michael ford would be the starter at the other guard spot and then when you go down to those depth pieces that becomes interesting because let's go back to that conversation about who are those next three to kind of fill those two deep spots um but i want to talk about that depth coming up here and maybe some future players to watch out for and is this second team offensive line unit for ku is it better than any ku offensive line over the last decade maybe save last year's team i want to discuss with that next with locked on jayhawks first though this episode of the show is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. This is an unbelievable deal. You get bonus bets back. That means you can use some of those bonus bets after you pick your Super Bowl winning team for spreads player props, over-unders. You can bet on Jalen Daniels to win the Heisman. He's going off at pretty high odds. Even if you get like a $5 bonus bet back, put that on Jalen, and he ends up winning it, you're going to feel good about that. You can bet on Kansas to win the Big 12. You can bet on uh, more even odds of them to go over the six wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Okay, so the depth of this unit is super increased. As you heard me going through the guys that I kind of put in contention for starting roles, um, Nowitzki, Pooney, Cabledu, Brown, Baines, Reed Adams, Lavelle, Ford. I mean, that gives you eight guys right there, right? Um, But there's more guys even in it that I think uh, will at least compete for the backup spots. From left to right, I'm going with Dominic Pooney. Um, I guess I, I don't really know which one would be left guard and which right guard between Armaje Reed Adams and Michael Ford, Nowitzki in the middle, and then Cable to it right tackle, at least to start off. The way that I view it, maybe Kobe Baines would be kind of a guy who you could fill in at guard, at right guard or right tackle to be your backup at both of those positions. Like I said, Michael Ford would be your backup center, where if Nowitzki got hurt or had to miss some time, Ford would move to center, and then maybe you plug Baines in to guard at that point in time. Um, and then you would possibly have I guess at that point, like maybe Logan Brown would be your swing tackle that he could kind of occupy either spot for you. Um, Maybe Baines, if it was your right tackle. And then your other depth piece, probably Lavelle, who maybe you can play him at tackle or guard or just kind of fill in wherever you need. There's also the Dre Dorian, who's the guy who started double-digit games at Buffalo before transferring over, was with the program last year. 
He's someone who you feel like you get good depth from. Nolan Gorchika, former transfer from Buffalo. Uh, I don't expect him necessarily to be on the two deep, but that gives you more depth. James Livingston, heard some good things about him uh, as he progresses through the young portion of his career. And Calvin Clemens, who comes in as a freshman, heard really good things about him so far and how he's translating over from the high school level to here at the collegiate level with KU. Um I guess back to the question here, is this backup offensive line unit? If you throw out a backup offensive line unit of, let's say, I don't know, Logan Brown at left tackle, um, Spencer Lavelle at one of the guard spots, uh, let's just say Michael Ford at the center spot, even though he's a starter, backup center, whatever, Michael Ford at the center spot, uh, Dre Dorian at, at the guard spot, and then Gosh, who does that leave me with? Uh, Calvin Clements or James Livingston or Nolan Gorchika uh, at one of the tackle spots. Is that offensive line, is your backups this year, is that better than outside of last year, a lot of offensive lines over the past decade? I think it probably is. You've had some really talented guys over the past decade. I don't want to you know, just get rid of that. Like You go back to around the 2011 range. Uh, Tanner Hawkinson was really talented. You go back to Hakeem Adeniji starting from freshman year. They've had some good offensive linemen. They've had some offensive linemen who have been all big 12, third team or all big 12 honorable mention since then. Um, so it's, it's, you know, maybe not as a whole, but I mean, I don't know, man, there, there have been some tough offensive line units for KU. And if your backup offensive line is better than a lot of those, or at least on par, and your starters are even way better than that, you feel very good about getting through an entirety of the season with that position that, you know, KU was lucky because last year we went into the season saying they have the starters back, the starting offensive line is going to be good, but we don't know about the depth. If there's some injuries, that's going to be a problem. Fortunately, they were very healthy over the course of last year. And maybe that speaks well to the training staff and what they can do and, you know, the, I don't know, availability of the players that they have in the roster. But it's it's tough to count on that year in and year out at any position, let alone offensive line, where it, somebody can easily roll up on somebody's leg. It's it's easy to get banged up because you're going at contact each and every play of each and every game. And so you need that depth of this position, and KU has it. You feel very good about it for this year. And, yeah, you feel better with even that second offensive line unit. You feel more trustworthy than a lot of past years over the last decade or so. I'll be interested to not just with the depth, how that impacts it in case you do have any injury or need to rotate somebody in, but how does that push the starters to be even better? I think that's kind of an interesting conversation in this too. Does having more depth, does having more adept backups, does that push the starters or push the guys who have been in, you know, kind of competing to be starters? Does that push them to be even better players? Does that, you know, kind of iron sharpens iron type of thing where now the starting offensive line, because the backups are so good and they're being pushed by them each and every day, does that make the starters even better too? And if so, that's obviously a huge boon to Scott Fuchs, the offensive line coach, to Lance Leipold, Danny Kotelnicki is the offensive coordinator. And that is something that I think absolutely could happen. And when you have breakouts like Armaje Reed Adams, to a unit that already you felt good about. Like those are the types of stories that can take a unit and take an offense and take a team to that next level. And it seems like KU is getting some of that production on the offensive line. All right, I want to finish up here. Who is a uh, maybe future name or future names to kind of keep an eye on in this offensive line group with Locked on Jayhawks? Finishing things up with Locked on Jayhawks with players to keep a future eye on or names to keep a watch uh, in the future for this offensive line unit that, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't see the the playing field this year, but keep an eye on them in the future. And by the way, on uh, Friday's episode, we're going to be talking about the defensive ends. Jeremy Robinson, is he the top breakout candidate on the defense? Is he one of the top breakout candidates 
on the team and what can you expect from this defensive end group. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to the show and give us a positive review if you could. It, it helps us out on uh, our end of things uh, and stick around for, for more position previews coming up here with Locked on Jayhawks. So future names to keep an eye on. Um, Calvin Clements, I think, is the one that, that can consistently pops up here. He's gotten really good praise so far. Came in as a top 10 recruit in the state of Kansas. You were able to flip him from Baylor, comes, stays in state, stays in city, was a really good player at Free State High School down the road. And now you've heard that good praise. Now I will say, and, and this is not necessarily what I'm saying about Calvin Clements, but I do think it is important to know this. Sometimes leak outs and, and things we hear about certain players can be um, a little overly much at times because you'll hear good things about young players and it might just be staff trying to get that comments out or get those comments out from a standpoint of you know if we can get this information out there then the player his camp his parents whoever are going to hear that we're very high on him so that they feel like they have a real future a real direction with the program that in a year or two they could be playing to avoid that player from being like, ah, but I'm the second string. I'm the third string this year. I'm not getting on the field. Like I'm just going to transfer at the end of the year. If you hear those positive comments, then it feels like it gives you and your camp reinforcement that we're doing things right. Now, some of that, would that mean that it's, it's a lie and that a staff could do that sort of thing to try to keep a kid from, from leaving, or could that be truthful and it's being used to keep a kid from leaving? That's not at all what I'm saying is happening here from Calvin Clements, but I, I will say just when you do hear some good things about young players over the course of camp, you do have to be a bit trepidatious and cautious because you have to figure out, okay, is it just because they are the fifth or sixth string and maybe their future is that by the time they're a junior or senior, they can be a really good player and the staff wants to make sure they're happy because they do think they'll be a good player down the road, but it might take some time and they want to keep that camp kind of happy. I don't think that's the case necessarily here for Calvin Clements. Obviously it doesn't hurt if it is, um, but I think he's someone who, you know, wouldn't shock me if he was on the two deep at one of those tackle spots. Now, if there is an injury to one of the tackle positions, let's say he's like the backup left tackle, for instance, Dominic Pooney. If Dominic Pooney had to miss a series or, or had to miss a play, like Dominic Pooney, you know, his helmet comes off and, and you have to miss a play for that with, with college rules. His helmet comes off, he has to miss a play. I don't think Calvin Clements is necessarily coming in. I think it goes back in line with, okay, we have, even though on the two deep, you're the backup, we really have three guys as our backups that are filling our primary positions and they're just kind of playing swing roles. We're going to bring this other guy in. So I don't think he's quite there yet, but it wouldn't shock me either if he was on the two deep. And even if he's not, He's he's got to be close to to being there. Um, you look at this year whether he redshirts or not because you can still get in those four games in redshirt. Dominic Pooney is your starting left tackle. He's going to graduate at the end of the year. Bryce Cabledew has this year and one more year after that. So when I look at it, like at the tackle position, Calvin Clements is probably going to be a starter if he stays on this path by 2025 at the 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 latest. I mean that would mean he'd be either a true junior or a redshirt sophomore. And there is an outside chance that by 2024, he is either impacting that starting lineup or one of your top depth pieces on the offensive line. So he's definitely the name to keep an eye on and uh, somebody who clearly has a lot of talent. He's got that pro body. He's got that division one power five conference body that, you know, you're going to continue to add weight to him. You're going to continue to add strength. You're going to continue to add the mental acumen to the game. And he's someone to be very impressed with in the future. Uh, maybe some other names to keep an eye on. I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see the role for Dre Dorian. But uh, how about Logan Brown? Because Logan Brown, it doesn't seem like he's going to crack into that starting lineup. And 
I don't know what's going on there. You look at him being a former five-star recruit. That's not the be-all end-all. We've seen former four- and five-star recruits come to Kansas, whether it was via transfer or to other schools, and it just not work out. Sometimes you just don't live up to that hype. But the weird thing with Logan Brown is that he kind of was living up to that hype at Wisconsin. Maybe not to the level of being a five-star top 20 recruit where that would make you think he was going to be a, for, a future first-round draft pick. Maybe he wasn't doing that at Wisconsin. But you look at like the pro football focus numbers and the impact he was having, he was like a good offensive lineman. You know, he, he was grading over the 70s. He would have been one of high, KU's highest rated offensive linemen last year. He was a good player at Wisconsin. So you do have collegiate production there. That's why this is kind of weird that it's not hitting so far. I don't know if there's a hurdle that needs to be overcome with, you know, understanding the offense or getting used to the system or the scheme or the coaching staff, what's being asked of you. Maybe this goes back in line with the idea that, you know, the KU staff is going to value consistency over top tier play. And so maybe for Logan Brown, it's just about working on the consistency, um, maybe a little bit more there, but I'm going to continue to buy into the talent. And even if you tell me Logan Brown is a backup this year, maybe it just does take another year fully immersed in the program. He does have another year after this one, if he wants it. Um, and come 2024, something clicks as a, as a you know fifth-year senior, and he can become that kind of dude. I'm not going to give up on him. So he is a future name that I'm kind of watching because I don't know if he's going to be a starter this year, but I'm not going to give up on that talent quite yet if that is the case. Right, that's going to do it for our uh, offensive line preview. We're going to get to the defensive ends on next show. This is Locked on Jayhawks. You can find us wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can uh, find us on our YouTube page with Locked on Jayhawks. Like and subscribe to the show. You can hit me up on Twitter at D Johnson Radio. Have a good rest of the day. Later.